right, welcome to Peeps Creek, the cafe where we serve you delightful, slightly intense, but definitely worthwhile conversations. A podcast focused on bringing people together by drinking, listening, and conversing. So grab your favorite drink and let's see what's on today's menu. All right, people, welcome to Peeps Creek, the cafe. You know, here the cafe, we always have a conversation centered around a drink. And today I am drinking on an old fashioned boom, boom, boom. That is courtesy of my machine, the Bartesia. Great machine, by the way. All right. And today I am joined in the cafe by Denise. Say hello, Denise. Hello. Happy New Year. Salud. Salud. Wait. And what are you drinking on, Denise? Actually, I have no idea, but it's courtesy of Bartitian. Yes, it is the Rum Breeze. It's really good. You did a really good job. Mm-hmm. All right. So before we begin talking about the episode, let's cheers. We are recording this on January the 1st, 2023 here in my studio. Salud. Salud to great. Mm-mm. You're taking forever. <laughs> wait this is dangerous this let's, is really sweet all right let's do a toast a real toast all right here's to more success to my podcast this podcast yes. our podcast but more success to us individually as we continue on our life goals in 2023 salute salute and i want to say <laughs> oh my god all right. For purposes of full disclosure, we recorded an episode before this that I said was going to be episode 70. I'm not sure I really liked it. So I may put that out as a filler one day. So we are going to call this episode 70. This episode 70 Listen, is... Listen, before you go into the episode, the purpose of your podcast was to sit down like if you were in a bar having conversation. I mean, like me right now. <laughs> doing your makeup you don't know if a man's gonna come through through <laughs> those doors i mean that all right so this is episode 70 episode 70 is going to be still searching for the truth okay and this is in we regards are. to the casey anthony peacock special which is a three-part episode and we don't know how many episodes we're going to do on this particular one because we've watched them all but I think some of the conversations will have us going all over the place. So it may be one episode, it may be two. But anyhow, that is what we are going to do. So before we start talking about the Peacock special, Denise is just going to give us a little backdrop on the Casey Anthony drama that unfolded in 2008. All right, Denise. So it starts with a grandmother very concerned because she hasn't seen her granddaughter for 31 days. So she calls 911 to advise that she hasn't heard of her granddaughter. The daughter wasn't trying to tell her where she was. You know, the 911 person wants to know, is your daughter there that she can give us some details? Casey gets on the phone and she states she hasn't seen the baby for 31 days. She dropped the baby off with her nanny the baby basically goes missing we don't know where the baby is mom doesn't know where the baby is grandparents don't know where the baby is baby later on i'm not sure how long from when she was reported missing was she found but she finally was found unfortunately deceased and that's 
the gist And of it. what was she charged with, she being Casey Anthony? Casey Anthony was charged with first-degree murder, aggravated child abuse, aggravated manslaughter of a child, and four counts of providing false information to police. So, and ultimately, you all know how the drill goes. This goes to trial, and ultimately, she was acquitted on all of the serious charges. So, the first-degree murder, the the whatever the other ones were and the only one that she was found guilty of was the one where she lied to the police providing yep. false information and we'll kind of talk a little bit about this because she kind of give her side of the story now the name of the series on peacock is the three-part series as i indicated third episode for me was a waste of time yeah. i don't know why they put it out it was stupid but but it's Casey Anthony, where the truth lies. And so the reason I call it still search for the truth, because I don't think that I don't think the series did any justice in providing any truth anywhere, but more questions and more concern for right. me. But anyhow, so what we find out is that this is the first interview that Casey Casey has done ever, has done since since, yeah. since the acquittal in 2011. So it's been Does about it 10 years. Think why huh? with them? Well, and let me just say this. I n did not want to watch this series at all. It was right. Denise's suggestion that we watch it. And so let me just tell you my frame of thought going in because, you know, Denise always says that I'm biased and maybe I am. But I just think you put your lawyer hat too often. I didn't really care about what she had to say because I always thought she was guilty. <laughs> and I know that, you know, in this series, you know, spoiler alert, there's a lot of discussion about trauma. I get it. I understand it. None of nothing than what she said made me feel any sympathy for her. I still think she's guilty. Period. Okay. And this is our opinion, people. And I feel some kind of way about her making money on a story where, at the end of the day, she provides us nothing as it relates mm -hmm. to what happened to her kid, and that really irritates me about this this series. And when she sits down. One of the things that the, and I don't know who the producer is, but the producer came off as if, oh, this is going to be unbiased and this is going to be about trying to get truth. But I don't think that's what no. it was portrayed as, right? At all. And it also indicated she sat down and started off with, with Santa Casey. What makes you want to interview with me now knowing that you don't have any creative control? But the reality is, is that I felt like she did have creative control in the sense of she decided when she wanted to talk about something what topics she wanted to delve in mm -hmm. and and oftentimes she didn't really delve in the topics relating to her child the way i felt like she should have 10 years later but anyhow okay i was actually trying to find who the producer was because i really had some words for them because <laughs> this is ridiculous i mean i agree with what you said like i feel like where the truth lies she sits there starts the show first showing us that they rented a house just specific for the documentary because she didn't want she still wanted her privacy she still wanted to to remain you know anonymous or whatnot and where she lives ma'am like the whole purpose the way they portray it is the whole purpose is for her to say her side of the story where like you said the entire documentary was pointing fingers at somebody else it was not trying to say where the truth really lies. I guess not for us. I guess that's where the truth lies for her. But I, I said it yesterday. I would not, as a producer, I don't even know why this was even created, why this documentary was even done. So 
I don't know, Miss Producer or Mr. Producer, <laughs> is this your first documentary or whatnot? But horrible job. All right. So, all right. So let's kind of. So Casey says that she wants to be able to tell her story because she's finally ready, right? She acknowledges that she's a convicted liar. She acknowledges that she has lied practically all her life. She starts off by that. And so the producer kind of asks a question, so why would we believe you now? And Casey says basically that she knows who she is now. She had time to think about it and go through and go through help and get help to come to the truth and the reality of, of, of the matter. And so now she's ready to tell her story 10 years later. And that's where she kind of starts. So we we start off, they, they kind of start off initially kind of, you know, like Denise said, they moved to this house specifically for recording. And she begins talking about kind of her surrogate family, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it appears that her surrogate family are the people who were on her defense team. Right. And what she said is that when she came out or when she was acquitted, you know, she the the defense team kind of gave her some money to get herself together, get on her feet. And she also lived with one of the individuals who was part of her defense team, an investigator by the name of Pat McKenna. And that's, as I understand, who she works for now doing investigative work for this private investigator. And so Pat McKenna is interviewed. And one question that they asked him, which I, I don't know if you remember, they asked him, did Casey ever lie to him? Remember? And he remember. said, he says, no, she has never lied to me. I've never caught her any kind of lie in regards to that. And I'm like, bruh, she's a convicted liar. That's what she was convicted of, lying the entire time. Right. And you were representing her while she was lying. So how she never lied to you. I get it that this is someone that you worked for. And so you don't want to make it seem like that she's a liar. But I... I I don't know. I kind of lost credibility. It would be different if he would have said, you know, yes, there were some times where the story was not accurate, but we had a reason why, or this is the reason why. Yeah. But just to automatically say, now she's never lied to me, blah, blah, blah. I just felt like there was some bullshit. So he kind of lost credibility for me that entire time. So we jump back to 2008 and we begin to hear some of the phone calls that initiated this. And we hear the phone call from the grandmother, mm -hmm. Cindy, Casey, Anthony, calls and says, look, my granddaughter has been missing for 31 days. I don't know where she is. My my daughter isn't telling me anything. I doesn't know kind of where the baby is. Right? right. And so then they get they ask the operator asks to speak to Casey. And so she put Casey's on the phone. And what does she Casey says to the I mean, she basically said she dropped the baby off with the nanny, with the baby's nanny, Senaida Fernandez Gonzalez. Mm -hmm. And when she went to pick her up, did she say that in the 911 call? That she wasn't answering? Well, she says that she dropped the baby off, she went to work, and then she contacted the babysitter, but the babysitter's phone was disconnected. There you go. And so nobody knows where the baby is. No one knows where the baby is. Now, remind you, this is 31 days after the baby has already been missing. Right. right? So we, we don't, she didn't make no phone calls before. No. For that, right? No and one, no one went to go look for this babysitter, this nanny. No. Right. Go ahead. 
I was just going to say that it does say that the mother throughout the 31 days, the grandmother of Kaylee kept asking Casey, where is the baby? Where is the baby? And she would just say that, you know, she that Casey was at work and the baby was with the nanny. But, you know, that's weird to me, too, because as a grandparent, wouldn't you want to be like, I'll I'll take care of her or let me go see her. I haven't seen her for a month. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, it it wasn't very clear to me whether or not Casey was living with them this entire time, but I guess she was. She was. It doesn't say that she wasn't. Right. So, I, I mean, the mother does work. I get that. That's why I took it back a little and I said, let me go see her because, yeah, she's a nurse, so she can't really babysit her throughout the 31 days, which is probably why that nanny existed. But as a grandmother, if you're living with me, and I know that the daughter is out on work traveling or whatnot, wouldn't I want to say Saturdays and Sundays I may not, you know what I mean? Yeah, but we don't know if she said that or not. Again, this is Casey's yeah, perspective. That's what I'm saying, I mean, like, I don't know. We were talking to somebody who was convicted of lying. So I mean, she did keep giving different stories, too, about what happened. Multiple stories. Yeah. So in this particular documentary, the producer did interview one of the original investigators by the name of John Allen, who investigated the case. And so he, let's just call it what it is. He still thinks Casey is guilty. He does not believe anything that she says. But what what was interesting, which I don't remember at the time, whether I was following this closely or not, this was 2008. But at the time, um, once once the police became involved, they met with with Casey. I'm trying to figure out, okay, so tell us kind of walk us through what was going on. Right, when was the what, last time you saw the so baby? Last time you saw the baby, blah, blah. So this chick says she dropped her off at these particular apartments where this nanny is, which right. is Zenadea. Sir, Zenaida Fernandez Gonzalez. Okay, yeah. She dropped her off not there. not nobody to call you Dante. True, but we're going to get to why I'm not being offensive to the name. I didn't. I didn't care about the name because it was a fucking lie. Okay, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm not saying that it's it's like I'm being disrespectful to the person because we don't, the person don't exist really. She does. We'll talk about uh. that. Okay, <laughs> she does in her according to Casey. That again, that's if you give any credence to anything that she says. No, no, no she does. Remember, she um, she was not interviewed. She she was not interviewed, but she Casey sued. says she knew her. Oh, she did sue. Yes. Put the information. Yeah. Okay. But we were jumping. So she tells her that she dropped the baby off there after she got off at work because she works at Universal Studios. After Mm -hmm. she got off the work, (laughs) she called and the baby's babysitter disconnected her phone. Right. Are we talking about John Allen right now or jury? John Allen. Okay. And so then what they do is they say to her, okay, Come with us. Walk us through the day. Take us what was going on. So at one point, they get to where Casey worked at Universal Studios. Okay. And so what happens when they get there? So before that, it's actually Detective Jury who finds discrepancies in her stories. He does. But he, the reason I really didn't bring him up is that he didn't, he did not agree to be interviewed. I'm sorry, Mr. Jury, but I'm still going to speak about you. Go ahead. So he found discrepancies on what Casey was saying. She then stated that Sanaida or Sani had kidnapped Kaylee. 
Kaylee's grandparents, Casey's parents had never met this nanny. Then she talks about the work. And then that's when they decide to take her to Universal Studios. Okay, so what happens when they go to Universal So they take Studios. her to Universal Studios. Well, before they took her to Universal Studios, they had called Universal Studios to find out if she had worked there. And they said, no, this person has not worked here. And so then they decide to say, well, let's bring her in and see, you know, how she... <laughs> what, what we can get out of her is she lying is she not lying so then they decide to bring her to universal studios she comes in through the doors because apparently she was working in the human resources department she comes in through the door starts waving at employees employees apparently started waving at her like okay who are you and she then turns into a a, a hole or however you call that and it takes them nowhere because there's nowhere to go and i guess that's when she realized i can't keep this up no more and tells them that she really doesn't work there. She, 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 she what? <laughs> and she's waving mm. to people, like, hey, hey, how are you? And uh -huh. they're looking at her like, who are you? Uh-huh. She turns into, you know, like a building and she turns like if it was going to go into an office, but it ends being nothing. It's just a wall. So... There was nowhere to go. Obviously, if you're doing that, that means you don't know this place. You don't know this building or else you would have gone into an office, a break room or somewhere. And so when she's confronted with the fact that, oops, there's nothing here, she mm. decides to tell them she wasn't working there. OK. And so when you heard that, because let's be honest, through most of this documentary or whatever you want to call it, you kept hinging on the fact that maybe some of the stuff that she was saying was true and she had justification because she has trauma and we'll talk about the trauma in a moment mm -hmm. but when you heard that piece what did as a parent or even as a person looking at it and hearing that for the first time what was your initial reaction to that she knows something she knows what happened to the baby okay you you she knows what happened to the baby or she did it no, she knows what happened to the baby. Okay. All right. So ultimately, because of all these discrepancies, she is arrested, charged. And and so then we see some footage of her phone calls that were recorded at mm -hmm. the jail. Okay. And two of them that they highlight is one with her mom and then one with the best friend. Right. Okay. And in one of the recorded episodes with the mom... Casey is pissed off because she saw on TV that the mom is saying she thinks she might know something about, you know, she can't really say whether or not Casey was involved or not right. because Casey isn't telling them enough information. Right. And so Casey is upset with that because she's like, basically, I saw your interview. What the hell, mom? Why are you saying? And then it cuts to a portion of a conversation with one of the best friends. Do you know who it is? Is it the one who was actually interviewed or someone uh -huh, else? Uh-huh, the one that was interviewed. I forgot what, her name. What's her name? Let's um, see. I don't think I wrote her name. Yeah, Amy Goddard. That's right. Mm -hmm. Sorry, you see me looking to the sides because I'm using my iPad. And Same here. There. All right, so, yeah, so, and then that best friend is basically saying to Casey, Casey, what's going on? Because it's like, look, people 
I, it's almost like people are more concerned about what's going on than you. You are not like being upset about what's going on. And Casey basically is screaming. It's like, I can't fucking cry every fucking two seconds because I need to have my composure for the police. I can't just be fucking crying over and over and over. And so then it pans back to Mr. Allen and Mr. Allen says, okay, looking at this video between the mom and the the, the friend. best friend did 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 you get the impression that she was just as upset she been casey was just as upset about her daughter as the mom and friend and so i'm gonna pause there because i want to ask that question to you and, and we can have that discussion when you heard that and he asked that question because you specifically said write that down okay what was your reaction to that so his question is, do you think she was as upset as the mother and the friend were during these phone calls? And I did not detect the mother or the friend being upset, which is what I mentioned to you. You know, upset to me is how you were saying it right now. Casey, what happened? You know, that's like, what is going on? Hysteria. Where's the baby? That's not the impression I got out of the phone calls. It was more of Casey. But where is she? You know, it was more of a questioning. I don't know. I honestly don't know how to say it. But to me, I didn't find neither one of them with an urgency trying to find where this baby was, being upset, being distressed, you know, because I put myself in the situation. Let's say I'm the grandmother and my son is in jail right now because his baby is missing. I will be hysterical. Davian, what happened? Davian, you need to tell me because I need to find out where this baby is. Or Dorian, you know. Yeah, but but just oppose that to when we heard the first phone call from the mom. But that was the nine one one call, and yes, that's not but, what but he's referring. I know, to. but listen to me. Is that you're saying that she needs to now still have that same sense of hysteria? Mm-mm. And that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is his question is in regards to the two videos that he showed us. And he's asking us because I think what what you're focusing on, I think you're misapprehending what his point is. And I think this is what his point. His point is, is that as the mother, okay, I get it that the friend is the friend, the grandmother is the grandmother. But at the end of the day, the baby came out of fucking Casey Anthony. Okay. Mm The, what he was saying, what I gathered from, and I can't tell you what he was saying because I didn't speak to him, but this is what I understood him to say, is that Casey was more concerned about her image at that point because she was arguing with her mom about saying on TV that the mom doesn't know her involvement. The reality is she fucking doesn't. She asked you on the phone when she gave you the, the phone to the police 31 fucking days after your baby went missing saying that she won't tell me anything about where the baby is. And so for me, I would say my thought process on that is that Casey should have been more hysterical on the phone call. Like, mom, I don't know where she is. I I wish I could be out there looking, but they have me in this fucking prison for no fucking reason. I didn't do anything. But she was more concerned about what she looked like to the public view based upon what the mom was said to the public. And with the, the friend, the friend is basically saying, look, I haven't seen you been emotional about this period. Mm-hmm. Right. I get it. You want to be strong. I get it. But what are you been strong for at this particular point when you don't know where your fucking child is and you you have not been doing anything 
to try to find her. I mean, she's in jail right now, and nothing she can do. But let's but talk. I don't a, think let's that talk. Should a, have been the question. The question uh, then should have been: Do you do you notice and Casey with any hysteria or desperation of wanting to know what happened to her child? Do not ask me and try to compare when the two are not does don't even sound as worried as the public was because I think the public was more worried about finding this baby than the grandparents and the mother were because the grandparents just kept doing shows TV show sure come in George what was what is this guy's name George what's his name Gerardo yes Gerardo come here you know they were more worried about doing these shows and then fighting with each other on these shows than trying to figure out what the hell happened with the baby that's how when you asked me the question do you think the grandmother knew yes I think she knew I think that first day she didn't, which is why she sounded the way she did when she called 911. But after that, yes, I think she knew. Just because of the way she's, she acted. And people, this is just my opinion. Before we have lawyers or what is... You see my face. I, I got the face directly on me right now. Because... <laughs> what is your opinion on the question? Do you think she was as upset as a mother and friend was? No, she was not. I, I said that. I... I don't I think she was more concerned about her image. her image and keep in mind you had all these other little things before she was even arrested right mm -hmm. you have all these lies upon lies upon lies upon lies and we'll talk about later why she claimed she was making those lies but for me as a parent I don't know I just I get it not every parent is is the same right right but all intents and purposes, she has indicated how much she cared about her baby, right? She's in this in this documentary, that's what she spewed throughout. Right. None of her actions was consistent with that, in my opinion. Period. I agree. I agree. Okay. I think she sucked ass, okay, as a as a caring parent. I have absolutely no sympathy for anything that she claims happened to her and the reasons but i have no fucking sympathy with it because at the end of the day she failed her child and that is my personal opinion i so. agree and i in my opinion i'm not defending her i'm not saying that she's innocent there's just certain things that i feel that make me doubt certain stuff you know i always put myself as a juror all right so so then we kind of talk a little bit about the inception of Miss Kaylee. And so we find out that Kaylee was born when Casey was 19. Right. Kaylee died when she was three. Yes. Okay. And we find out that from, from, from Casey at least, is that she says that she went to a party and she was given some kind of drink, kind of passed out, and essentially that she was taken advantage of at this party. And that's how Kaylee was conceived. Right. But she had began to date someone a little time after that, and she said that th that he was the father, right? Ultimately, the guy did a paternity test and at some point in time, and it came out that he was not the father. Right. And then Casey says that she told us at some point she finally opened up to her mom about the fact that she was 
raped by these individuals. And that's how she believed that Casey was conceived. And what did she say her mom's response was to her? You're a whore. No, she said, that's why you're a whore. Is that why you're a whore? You're a whore. The hell is the same. <laughs> All right. So let's pause and talk a little bit about that because let's just assume for the sake of argument that that did occur, mm -hmm. that the mom did say that. What are your thoughts, as particularly as a female, what are your thoughts in regards to, to that? I would be devastated. It's already traumatic enough to know that this has happened to me. And then you're basically blaming me for it, you know? So, yeah, I would be devastated. Yeah, so I, you know, again, it's very hard for me to... Because she lies so much. I'm sorry. Right, right. <laughs> it's so hard for me to take, sympathetic or... to take that hat off that she's a liar. Okay. But I'm just going to go with the fact that it occurred. I do think that's shitty. And, but I also think it's not uncommon, um, particularly for women. But and a lot of times, particularly in minority families, right? Because we grew up with secrets. And Casey is not a minority. She's definitely white. Right. But, <laughs> but in, in particularly, I'm speaking for black culture, we do have this concept of we, we can't disclose that information outside of the, the, these, the household, this, yeah. the, these four walls, right? Because people are going to look at us a certain way. They're going to think this. Or, you know, it may be that the, the person who did it is in the household and is also contributing to making sure that the household move forward. And so that creates an issue. And then there are some times where a parent would turn on the kid because they would blame the kid mm -hmm. and make it seem like it's the kid's fault. You know, what did you do? You shouldn't be dressing like that. Yeah. You know that you're older. Why are you walking around like that? So to the extent that did occur, I think it's shitty. I think it's unfortunate. I think it comes, it stems from a lack of understanding and a lack of empathy in the sense of being taken advantage of. You mean the mother's comment? Yeah. It, the mother's comment. Yeah. That you're a whore. I mean. I mean, I see it. I see it personally as... I don't want to get too much because I don't want to spoil where you're going with the story. But I think the mother said that because of what she had already mentioned of the abuse that she had experienced. Right. Okay. So, but I do have this question. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you think that, and I, I, I know that I'm kind of jumping the gun by asking this, but the question I wrote down once we saw that was, could this be the reason why Casey disliked the baby? Assuming that Casey did something to her. Because she was raped? Correct. And she was disgusted with being forced to be pregnant and take on a lifestyle that she didn't choose to personally engage in. Because it would be different if, if I just actively decided I want to fuck around. And then as a result of that, you get pregnant. Right. But to be forced to be placed in that position, I think is a little different. Do you think there are? No. Okay. You know, I know that you, that you say the whole thing was trying to portray her as being a good mother and you personally may not agree with that. I'm not saying she was the perfect, excellent mother, but there are certain things based on what was mentioned by other people that they've witnessed and that they saw 
that I don't necessarily think she didn't like the baby or didn't want the baby. I think that she had some some love for the baby, not maybe, you know, huge love for the baby, but I don't think she disliked the baby. I, I just wrote it as a, a question to, to have a conversation. And let me correct you. I didn't say that she was a bad mother. I said she did not do shit to find her baby. <laughs> That's what I said. I mean, but you did say that the show is trying to portray her and you think differently. I mean... So I mean, she didn't do what the fuck. I, should she, I assume that she didn't do what the fuck she's supposed to do? I, I don't think she was the perfect mother, but I think that based on certain things that she mentioned and that the other people mentioned, she wasn't a horrible. I don't want to say a bad mother, but she wasn't a horrible mother. She did take care of her to an extent and show her love to an extent based on what we saw. All right. So in this. Be- can I say something though? We totally forgot to mention that one of the two last people who happened to see Kaylee alive was the father. Well, I think I don't. I I think we need to save that for the second episode. Okay. Okay. Because just making sure. Because I want to get. That's I wanna, my case right there. Got you. I want to get through some of this stuff. I I thought we could mesh all this in one. But I don't think so, because we still haven't talked about some of the other background facts that were brought up in this particular show. So there were interviews, not on camera with doing the documentary, but apparently there were previous interviews with Casey's former boyfriend, Ricardo Morales, Mm -hmm. where he says that Casey told him that she could not hang out like she could with her friends because she was a mother. Mm -hmm. But it was said as if that was a concern. And this was going on at the particular time that the investigation was going on about where is she. And then apparently around that same time, she had a conversation with another guy on Facebook and she told him that she's going crazy, but at least the kid is knocked out. So they were using that to, to, to try to substantiate that Casey wanted to have this alternative lifestyle. That her being a mother precluded her from being able to hang out, party with her friends. Okay, when you heard that, take into perspective the, the thought processes that the investigators have already articulated as being what they think was going on, right? The fact she was lying, the fact they took her to Universal, they walking around the building looking stupid. She gave some name of a babysitter and then they find out about this conversation with the boyfriend and then some other random guy on Facebook. What did that, if anything, do to you in regards to how did you place that those facts in this situation? I don't know. It didn't do nothing to me. It didn't do nothing because I, I, the the two statements to me are statements I would even make. Mm-hmm. You know, no, I, I, with Ricardo, just giving you an example, maybe I didn't want to go out with him. So I just happened to say, no, you know, I can't go out because, you know, now I'm a mother. I have a responsibility. But that's not how that was presented. You know that. That's not how the that was presented in the documentary. Right. But your question to me is, did that do anything to me? Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you what it did to me. To me was, I saw it as that. 
And then when the other guy friend that she says, you know, I'm exhausted or, or I'm going crazy over here, at least the kid is passed out. Hey, I've had those moments too. So let, let me, let me say what I think they, why they were try, trying to use that. Okay. The second point about the guy on Facebook, I agree wholeheartedly. I thought that was a knockless statement, right? Because what I put in there, but well, couldn't she just been tired? And so exactly. she's been ripping and running with the baby all day. A three-year-old wants to run, right. wants you to play with them, you know? But we also are taking out, we're missing out the fact that, or at least not taking into account the, the full picture. The full picture is, is that we have these lies, right? 31 days have already passed before anyone has indicated anything to anyone about a missing baby. Right. She was staying for 17 of those days at her boyfriend's house, right? right? And throughout this process, at least as was presented, she was out partying. Right. Okay. Getting tattoos and whatnot. Right. Now, and then you have this statement to the boyfriend saying the way it was presented was, you know, shit, the baby is in the way kind of thing. I think that's how the police was trying to use that as additional evidence to substantiate the fact that something is fishy Got here I with, didn't take it that her. way. That, okay. that was not something. I, I didn't take. What is it? That was not. If that's what they were trying to do, at least that's not how it came across to me. Now, if you talk to me about or if you ask me that question based on what she did during the 31 days, then my answer would be different. Yeah. Okay. But what I'm saying is that I think that yeah, yeah. that is how the that's how that evidence it. became apparent at that point. But the documentary didn't kind of put it together that way. But obviously, that that's what was going on to the investigation. Right. So at some point, I don't know when, the mother had called the police again and said that Casey's car smelled like there's a dead body in it, right? And that's when we get we did we get the cadaver involved and the dog apparently comes around and he signals that there was decomposition in the trunk of the car. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Right. Just to give you a little I think a little bit of the backstory on uh, about the car because she mentioned it towards I think it was on the third episode or maybe the second towards the end. But then I'm seeing it here too. The way the car situation came into effect, because I started thinking about that too. Because when they started showing her car, I was like, well, where was her car for the entire 31 days? You know, she was with the boyfriend. So where was the car? So apparently the car had ran out of gas and she had two people from the streets. She called her father and her father told her, I'll get to it when I can just try to park it somewhere where I can find it. So she had two people from the streets from the streets push the car into a place and that's when the father apparently came to get it. And the father it, he claims it was in a tow yard, but when she went to recover it, he and the yard attendant noted a strong smell coming from the trunk. Both later stated that they believed the order to be that of a decomposing body. So when the trunk was open, it contained only a bag of trash. So I'm thinking that's when the mother, he must have gone back home with the car, mentioned it to Cindy. And maybe that's when Cindy made that phone call. Okay. But what, okay. With that backdrop, Mm -hmm. that don't sound fishy to you. All of a sudden she ran out of gas. Then she wanted some strangers to help push it to the side. She calls her dad. Then she wants the strangers to push it to the side. 
So and then the car get recovered. You're probably gonna think I'm crazy. Okay, go but ahead. But the way I, the way I see it is, do I think it's crazy she ran out of gas? Heck yeah, because we can see where the hell the the little gauge of the gas is. But I don't find it crazy that she called her father to tell her father about it. And I don't find it crazy that she asked the two strangers because I don't want to judge her, but because of what we know about her, I wouldn't have put it past her to ask these two people from the street to try to push that car for her. But how does this support? Okay. We can't keep giving a pass because we're, not we're making it pass. seem like, let me finish, making it seem like she's some blonde, dumb girl. And I hate to use that analogy, no disrespect to anyone who's blonde, but we can't keep giving her passes. Like at the end of the day, her fucking child is missing. That is the point that I'm still going at. What the fuck were you doing mm -hmm. and why were you not doing more? Like I, it, then let's get to that. Don't it, ask me questions in between because I'm gonna give you my opinion. My <laughs> my whole thing when I watch these things, I try to keep, I try to form my opinion based on what you're presenting to me at the moment. You've noticed that I do not jump to conclusions based on. Is this a soliloquy to try to insinuate that you are an unbiased, objective individual and in that's how you present case, it? I'm trying to go by what is being presented to me at the time. At the time you're presenting to me, do you not find it crazy or fishy about her running out of gas? I mean, it can happen to anybody. But if you want to uh, ask And are you saying that the trash was the, the source of the, the bad odor? No, I think at the moment that they realized that it, it was that decomposing body. But see, that's not what you asked me. Your question was, do you not find it fishy that she ran out of gas? What I'm, let me ask the question differently. Yes, do you not find do. it funny that all I these don't find little, none of this funny. that all the, or fishy, that all these little coincidences are occurring? Like, and, and there's always some asinine reason why it occurred. I do. Okay. Jesus Christ. The, the, I mean, it would be different if she was fucking saying I was out riding down the fucking street looking for my kid and I wasn't looking for gas and I didn't care about stopping for gas, but she was going to her fucking boyfriend house to fucking party. <laughs> I mean, I think you're a little too too passionate about this. <laughs> I mean, sorry. This case really irritates me because at the end of the day, it's a three-year-old victim an innocent victim i agree and, and it, it's so it's it's it infuriates me and the fact that you give a three-part fucking interview because you ready to talk 10 years later mm -hmm. and because you have all these fucking people on your defense team coming and talking on the screen trying to make it seem like you're this oh beautiful wholehearted person that's fucking bullshit you're a goddamn liar you lied the entire time. You gave all these other things. And let's not, I want to go back to the babysitter because this is another thing that fucking pisses me off. You decide to pick a minority as your nanny mm -hmm. and pin a fucking crime on this individual who you never fucking knew real in real life. Right. I agree with you on everything that you're saying. Okay. Now let's talk. Let's go there. Sorry. I want to, because we, we just skipped over the poor nanny. That ain't really her nanny. All right. You want to talk a little bit about that? 
there's really not much to talk about. Kaylee didn't have this nanny. This nanny never existed. The apartment where this nanny lived seems to be an apartment where Casey's friend, which is the one that she called during the, when she was in jail, lived. Mm-hmm. She never existed. I mean, she never had the baby. She exists as a person. It is a person, but she never existed in Casey's or Kaylee's life. At all. At all. At all. But you say that this is the girl who kidnapped your baby. Right. right. And, and, and that piece, the fact that you don't have enough sense and, and not once on this fucking documentary. documentary, did she even seem to want to apologize about that? No, she didn't. She should have. Right. And, and the fact that you as this old privileged white chick get to say that this minority woman living in this apartment who's making a living being a nanny that you get to pin a whole fucking crime on her and then you wash over it in this documentary because you want people to see you cry about some bullshit that happened to you allegedly happened to you like fuck you that that is what i'm saying at this point because that infuriates me like you that that's no different than that fucking other white woman that was in florida that put her kids in the back of the fucking car and pushed the goddamn car in the river and let them drown and then said it was a what a black fucking man who did it like stop with that stupid ass bullshit that shit pisses me off sorry mm. but yes well, the it, other one that went missing remember that she yeah. went missing and she said that the Spanish ladies had branded her you remember that yeah one? like come on now yeah. I mean I agree I, I totally agree with you I do I think she should have apologized to that lady oh, yes definitely alright so back to some of these other stupid ass facts sorry <laughs> so during the time that the that her baby was missing (laughs) and she was out partying even though she said oh you see those pictures i wasn't partying you don't see me drinking i was out doing i was you remember that was in the second episode we'll bring it back in but she was basically said she was promoting with her boyfriend because he's a promoter so she wasn't partying she was working Mm. (laughs) anyway so during this time she steals one of her friend's checkbooks right and what was she doing with the check? The buying herself clothes and alcohol yeah. and all that bullshit, right? Nothing for the baby. Nothing for the baby. Everything she was buying was for herself. <laughs> then, nineteen days after Kaylee missing, she goes and she gets a tattoo, and the tattoo it says Bella Villa with, or Bella Villa Villa. Bella Vita. Bella Vita, which basically I means don't know the if good that's how life. You it. Yeah. <laughs> The Good Life, and she did that on July third, two thousand eight. Now, in the documentary, why did she say she she got the tattoo? You want me to skip to that part? Yeah, we already there. We already talked about tattoo. To fuck with her parents. Yeah, to say fuck you to her parents. Yeah. We'll talk about why she claims that was a fuck you. But my thing is, it's like chick, parents don't even know what the hell Bella Vida means. Like, but at the end of the day, your child is missing. Yeah. Why is that a priority? To even if that's true, if this is a fuck you to my mom and dad, I can say fuck you later to them. I need to be trying to find my child. You know, now that we're saying this, now it makes me question. Do you think she may have okay, so let's go back to George, which is the grandfather, and the relationship that he seemingly had with Kaylee. Do you maybe think that she did something to the baby to fuck with the father 
I mean, I, it's, it's hard. It's, listen, again, I don't think she's innocent. I've said that I, multiple times. I agree with you. I do okay. not think she's innocent. <laughs> okay. I don't I think, think she's she innocent at all. What happened? She, yes. I don't necessarily think she may have done something, but she for sure knew what happened. <laughs> I know you disagree. Yeah. Okay. So maybe, I don't know, but I. Because the whole thing, her whole documentary is about how she dislikes her parents, you know, how she blames them for this more the father than the mother, but how she blames him for so many things. So now that you mentioned, now that we're going back to that tattoo and she said she did that to fuck with her parents, your child is missing and you are doing that to fuck to, you know, fuck with your parents. So did you do something to the baby to fuck with your parents? So why didn't you say all this yesterday? Because when we were watching this, you were just like, it just came mm, to my mind when you asked that. Okay. Things happen. People deal with trauma differently. People deal with things I, differently. When it comes to trauma, I'm blah, always blah, blah. say that. Oh my that, God. <laughs> I, I've never said that she's innocent though. Never. All right. So, all right. So then there is this discussion with the, with some of the friends, right? Mm -hmm. And so in the interview, there are like three friends that come up. Two of them were the friends who were friends with the boyfriend that Kaylee roommates. stayed with roommates, but I'm assuming they all hung out the way they were talking. And one of them was a former best friend. And we don't know why they're former because they never really discuss why they're former best friends. But anyhow, so KC started hanging out with Tony Lazaro. He didn't get interviewed for this particular documentary, but the two friends did. I forget their name. Me too. I didn't even write it down. No. But both of them suggested that during the time period that this was going on, that KC was not presenting herself as any parent who had any concern about a child being missing. Right. right? Everything was as normal and when i say as normal they were continuing their hanging out they were continuing their partying with one another mm -hmm. and she was not providing anything that said oh my god where's my kid or i think this is what's going on or something happened or you know trying to find the baby or, or, or trying to find the baby none of that stuff really occurred right. and so from their perspective it just was it just seemed all odd okay now, then we we get interviewed with the Annie Goderis, who is the friend. And here's another piece of this that was just odd to me. The friend tattooed the baby's name on her body and the mom covered up the Bella Vita tattoo with some other bullshit, but it don't have nothing to do with Kaylee. No. And her brother, Casey's brother, apparently also tattooed the baby's initials on his what is this? On the wrist? Yeah. Or the forearm? I think it was here because it, it mentioned, based on what I've researched, when he was giving the funeral speech, he, you know, kissed and they happened to see the CMA. Okay. So, so yeah. So, anyhow, and so the producer asked her, and again, sorry, I'm looking at my iPad. The pr producer asked his friend, why do you have the baby's name on your left shoulder? And she said, she been a friend says, because she deserves to live with her forever. And my, in my notes, I put on there, where's Casey's day of tattoo? Yeah, the, the no. peonies or whatever. And is. then she says that that little saying oh, or something. Oh, she has it right here. But it says something. 
forgot. Basically, I, I hear you throughout all the noise and some bullshit. And she so. tries to make it seem like that's oriented or suggested to be related to, to Kaylee. But anyhow. So, I would have my kid's name. I mean, right now I have my kid's name tattooed on me. So the friend says that she articulates that she believed that Casey was a good mom. She loved the baby. And she says, and so the producer asked her, did she believe that Casey was involved? And she said, absolutely not. She didn't kill her child. She doesn't believe believe the police versions about her wanting to party is accurate. She does say she understand why they would make that suggestion but she doesn't think that is accurate she claims that the media misrepresented the pictures that they showed of casey partying during this time because these pictures were taken over a span of three years and they try to collapse them as if this was during the entire time that kaylee was missing and she said she'd been a friend said that casey in order for her to believe that casey was involved that she would have to go and tell her herself that she killed the baby okay Sorry, I just found the tattoo. It translates to, I hear your voice and all the sounds of the world. And then she adds in the documentary, it means I hear you and everything. That is my Kaylee tribute tattoo. Everything about her was perfect. Okay. When, did, when did she get that? Now that I want to know. It doesn't say. Okay. I need some receipts. I, I, want, the, I want the receipt from the parlor. <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> all right. Oh, and then the one she covered... She covered it with peonies and half of, of a mandala because it symbolizes growth, rebirth. I mean, yeah, if you killed your kid, then now you out years later with a documentary making money. It's making definitely. money, exactly. <laughs> All right. And then the friend said that she believed that there was an accident that happened and she did what she always did do. And that's a lie. So and the, I agree friend with the friend basically. The friend basically said that something happened. It was an accident. And Casey resorted to what she always did since everyone that she knew, she lied. All right. And so, and the friend says that the, that the apartment that Casey brought up to, to the police was her apartment. And so my question at that time to Denise was, okay, so are you saying that Casey is experiencing some kind of repressed memory? Remember mm -hmm. that I said that? Mm-hmm. Um, and so for those of you who don't know what that is, I am taking this from a news source, newsmedical.net, and it was about debating of repressed memories. And so basically what it says is that clinicians claim that repressed memories are a type of defense mechanism developed following a traumatic event. The idea behind this is that when a traumatic experience is overwhelming and may be detrimental to the health of the individual, the mind unconsciously hides the memory of the experience from conscious awareness. And as the memory is repressed, the individual loses the ability to recollect the experience that triggered this defense mechanism, and they often become unaware that they have been traumatized. Clinicians also believe that the mind that the mind's act of repressing memories continuously exerts both a mental and physical burden on the individual. This is experienced through symptoms such as insomnia, low self-esteem, anxiety towards certain people, and or situation and confusion. And research shows that the most effective way of reducing the burden is through recollecting or recollecting the traumatic experience. So mm -hmm. having heard that, Given the fact that she claims that she met, what was the nanny's name, last name? Cortez. Gonzalez. Gonzalez. Fernandez Gonzalez. Okay. <laughs> and the fact that the 
that the friend lived at the apartment that Mm -hmm. Casey claims this woman lived at. My question to Denise was, you know, you know, are they trying to say that there was some kind of repressed memories in the sense that bits of pieces are coming out because of the traumatic experience that she's now in, given that Kaylee is is missing and or dead. And so having me having have read that, what are your thought process? And, 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 And let me be clear. Neither one of us studied psychiatry or anything like that. No. Go ahead. I agree. I agree. Not only because of the nanny, her pointing out the nanny lived in that apartment where it really ended up being that this friend used to live in that apartment, but Universal Studios. She mentioned that she worked there. She wasn't working at that time, but she did work there. Like seven years before. But she still worked there. So it goes back to what you're saying. So yes, I don't think they didn't mention that word, but yes, I think that's exactly what's going on with her. Okay, but why couldn't it just be she was lying and she just found something that's easy that she knows. She knows where the friend stays. That's easy to remember. And she knew that she worked at Universal because remind you, keep in mind, Mm -hmm. we don't hear where she's working at. Right. Or where she worked at at the time. She says that she took up some gigs as bartending, but we don't hear where she was working at that time. Maybe she wasn't really working. She was just partying for real. Right. And so it was easier to say, oh, Universal. So as a juror right now, you have brought forward the definition of what that is. And I've known based on the evidence that you have showed me or the conversations or whatnot that you showed me about this documentary and she's talking about her trauma. I cannot look. What is that? Overlook that. Had I not known about the trauma she's gone through, then I would have said no. That's not no. Again, that's assuming the trauma is true. You're, you're taking this face value. <laughs> Correct. Okay, that's assuming that the, the trauma is, is true. She went through. She was. She went through psycho psychologist psychiatrist. She went Who was through- hired for her fucking defense team? And I mean, no f- offense, but they were hired to do a job. Okay. So again, back to your question. Let's put our feelings aside and go with the facts that are being presented here. Mm-hmm. If you would have asked me that without me knowing what she's gone through, then I would have said no. She's definitely just lying, like uh, you said. Okay, so but but the problem with that mm-hmm. is that what I understand repressed memories to be is that the memory associated with the trauma. Right. What does Universal and her friend's apartment have to do with that trauma? And that is the disconnect, right? I feel like we're trying to give her an out. Even if the trauma is accurate, mm-hmm. if you really apply the definition, what you are repressing are those memories that's associated with the specific trauma. And so what I'm asking is, how is Universal Studios, other than the fact that it's a convenience, right. <laughs> and your friend's apartment, other than the fact that it's convenience for your story, how are those two factual points associated with the trauma that is repressed? So my opinion, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure if this is going to answer your question because nothing really is going to satisfy you because <laughs> you've already formed an opinion. But I think being confronted Right. This is law enforcement that is now confronting me 
wanting to know where my child is. I know what happened to my child. I just cannot say what happened. So I need to figure something out to get out of this. I think that's where the trauma comes. So I know what happened to my child. I'm anxious. I'm you know, about what to say, because if I say too much, I'm going to further implicate myself or maybe further implicate the person that did something to the baby. So shit, first thing that comes to my mind is the place. So let me just say that I took her there to this nanny and now they're questioning me. So what were you doing after you took her to this nanny? Oh, well, now I'm going to have to say I went to work. The last place I remember I worked was Universal Studio. So let me put Universal Studio. Okay, so let me go back to the same point here. Lord, I, are we going to pass to the next? <laughs> no, because I want to talk about these things. That's why we're going to do in two episodes. Now, the same article says, contrary to the belief of cl clinicians, mm -hmm. memory researchers claim that repressed memories do not exist, but instead the memories recovered may have been forgotten consciously repressed or falsely implanted. Mm -hmm. There are several cases where individuals who have experienced a traumatic event do not remember all the details of the event when asked to recollect it. So how do we know that she's just not making up shit? I, I think it goes to the false, what was that thing? Implant. Right. And the conscience, whatever. I'll give you a perfect example. This doesn't have to do nothing with the case, but do I do agree because... When I had my car accident in Puerto Rico many years ago, I don't remember how the accident occurred. I don't remember what happened while we waited for the ambulance. All I remember was what happened maybe hours before the accident and once I woke up from being unconscious. So I agree, but I do know that every time you've talked about it, mm -hmm. your facts were been, were factually related to the event. No, 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 no. What I mean is about your your mind closing on certain because of the trauma your mind closing on certain how you say that certain things that happen like my trauma has caused me to not want to remember i was i was what's the word i was up i was talking to them you know i was unconscious at a certain point but once the accident occurred i spoke to my friends i had conversations with them yeah but i don't but, remember none of that but i think maybe i'm not articulating it correctly but what I'm saying to you is all of that, what you're saying, I would agree fits in this category mm -hmm. because the things that you remember and the things that you don't remember are specifically associated with the traumatic event. Right. Okay. You talking to your friends that was around surrounding pertaining to either the events right before the traumatic event or right after, but still associated with the traumatic event. Yeah. Okay. What I'm saying is Universal Studios and this friend's apartment are not associated with this. But my explanation this. to you about it doesn't still make sense to you? It makes sense for your facts. Yes. No, no, no. Don't worry about me. So a person coming to you, you asking a person the same question and them coming to you to say, well, I think it was she's being cornered by law enforcement. Who's not afraid of law enforcement? You know, not everybody. But she wasn't but. been cornered by law enforcement at this time. They were asking her what happened. And she, and let's keep in mind, she said this bullshit on the 911 call. So she wasn't cornered by anything. I don't necessarily. 
necessarily mean cornered, but what I mean is I'm just putting myself in the situation. Let me maybe put it that way. You know, and I'm putting myself as someone who did something to my baby. I Maybe I didn't cause the death of my baby, but I know where my baby is at. I know what happened to my baby. I am going to lie because I don't want to implicate myself. I don't want to implicate the person that's involved. Okay, that is the point that I am making. That has nothing to do with trauma. And the thing is, the is that trauma is what happened. No, she knows that happened. No, 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 no. That's bullshit. Because what y'all are trying to do is you're even assuming that she yeah. went through. Yes. Even assuming that she went through some kind of traumatic experience as a child. I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt there. Okay. What I'm saying is she lied for convenience. It has nothing to do with reaching back to her trauma. I now, give it to you. Now. It may be what 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 folks are trying to say and what maybe what they tried to say in the trial was because one of the individuals involved was associated with the trauma right. that then, in fact, she just continued the escalation of lying. Right. Say that. OK, but that's not what that's not how it's been presented. It's been presented as if this traumatic event has caused or unfolded this like chain of reaction of some, she's a fucking liar. She lied she to out of convenience. She lied because she wanted to fucking lie. There's no reason that she needed to say that there was universal studios. There was no reason for her to take the fucking police officers on a tour of a building. She didn't know about 25 minutes. Okay. Yes. There's no reason to do that. Other than the fact that you are a bitch or a liar yeah. and that's what you do. And again, that's what your friend said. You do, you do what you normally do. And that's lie because that's all you've ever done since I've known you is lie, lie, lie. Right. Okay. I mean, I agree. And you know, We'll talk about this. I'm going to bring this repressed memory thing back up on the next episode because that's when we really start talking about some of the defense approaches with dealing with that. But back to this one because we've been going for a moment and I know I know how sometimes, you know, I can tend to get super excited about these things. Okay, so on the first episode towards the very end, we begin to hear things about some of the familial trauma that Casey purportedly experienced, right? And she talks about her mom was a nurse and her father was a former cop. And when they moved to Florida, he was a security guard. And what she says is she blames essentially her father because he wanted to portray that they were this perfect white family living in this perfect little tiny house Mm -hmm. and this perfect like association but the reality is is that the mom was the breadwinner the father wasn't really doing what he's supposed to do apparently he stole money from the mom's savings account or retirement retirement so that he can go blow it on some bullshit i don't know i don't know was he gambling i don't know and that's what she say the lies that's what she says started her with the pattern of lying. Yeah. The fact that the father took that $60,000 out of the mother's retirement, first said that he used it on a Nigerian Ponzi scheme, then changed his story to say that he gambled it, mm-hmm. and then came the stories of cheating on the mother. Right. So, of course, we hear that he was a cheater, and so I guess because he a cheater, that automatically makes him a murderer. But... world. <laughs> okay. And then at the very end, we hear that apparently her brother and her father violated her when she was younger. Well, not the. Let me get there. Okay. Because she says the father 
right. used to hold her down. And she doesn't go into detail in the first episode. She just gives us a hint. But ultimately, she says her brother then, that's her father started when she was eight. Mm-hmm. And then when she was 12, her brother started coming into the room. And that lasted from 12 to 15. And then the producer asked, what did your brother rape you? And she said, no, it didn't go that far. But it essentially was he was found on her breasts and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And she claims that she did not tell her mother about her brother until she was 19. And she says that the, she believed that her mother knew about both individuals violating her. And what was the mother's response about the brother? I forgot. I don't think it says. It just says that originally she didn't tell the mother about the father doing it to her because the father would tell her that the mom would get mad with her. Right. But I don't think it says the mother's reaction. If it said, I didn't write it down. And then she says that, you know, this is going back to this whole tattoo of fuck you to her family. Mm -hmm. Because her mother, she said that her mother wanted to keep her a little girl and didn't want to move out. And, you know wanted to stop her from being a sexual being, which I don't understand what that fucking meant. What what is what did that mean to you? I have you? no idea. Because I, I, I put here, what does she mean by wanting to protect her from a sexual being? How does this fall in with the other stuff? And then she talks about the fact that when she was pregnant originally, her friends wanted to hide it. She wanted to hide it. Her parents wanted to hide it. And so this kind of created this, this umbrella of trauma that she was experiencing from her family. We'll get more detail into it when we go to the next episode. And then at the very end, Casey says, you know, throughout this, no one asked me why I lied. And I'm like, that's why we're here on this fucking three-part episode. You should start off with why you lied in the first 10 minutes of this goddamn documentary. But think about it. Yes, everybody was asking you why you lied the minute you went into trial. Well, and the police was asking her. Exactly. I mean, after she walked around the building for 30 minutes, waving That's at random she people. Said that question, I was like, what? We've been asking you why you lie. Like, what the hell? And she said that she was, and basically she says she was doing what she was told. Right. And the best friend also said that Casey said during that time that she was doing what she was told. And now she said it again now. And at the end, she says she was doing what her father told her to do. And that's how the first episode ends. All right. So anything you want to say before we move on to episode two of what did I say the name of this episode was? Seeking, still seeking the truth. Still, Something. I don't remember. Still searching for the truth. Still searching for the truth. I think it is. Okay. Anything you want to say? With the facts presented to me up to this episode, I'm taking this as trial day number one. If I had to go right now to deliberate, mm-hmm. I could not find her guilty yet. How about you? Are you going to keep us in this jury room? Listen, if I was the foreman, okay, <laughs> ain't nobody leave it here. Until we get to guilty. (laughs) (laughs) But the foreman can really... No. Yeah. But, okay, here's the thing. But they can lead the conversation. Yeah, but you can't be like, you can't leave this room until we find her guilty. Now, I would say this. There's no way... There's no way that she would be able to get off on all the serious crimes. Maybe not first degree. Right. But there's no way... I agree. That she should have got off on every single 
crime related to her daughter. And only be liable for the lying. And Come only on be now. liable for the lying. Maybe not the first degree. Child endangerment, yes. You place your child in a, in, a, yep. in, in a situation that you should have known was unsafe, right? And so there are some things I just I just don't understand what they were experiencing in the jury room. So for me, nah. I think it was, you know. So she would have been guilty of something yeah, yeah, yeah. in addition to the lying. Looking at the charges right now, I would definitely have found her guilty of aggravated child abuse. The other one was the aggravated manslaughter of a child. Yeah. And I so, may have found her guilty of that. One. And so what we'll do for episode two is we will put the elements of aggravated. What was it? Aggravated what? She had child abuse. Um, first degree murder, aggravated child abuse, aggravated manslaughter of a child. Mm-hmm. And then the four counts of providing false information to police. All right. Yeah. So we would definitely put those up starting off the episode and then we will begin to talk about some of the evidence that we identified with that and see where we think we would end up on this okay see you on day two all right see you on day two all right oh i had this on me the whole time not both of us my bad oh that's good Uh, not the whole time just right now yeah but this thing is making me look fat and i for sure ain't that fat well let me make you bigger so people couldn't be the judge of that all right denise is there anything you want to say i just said it's on you right now oh let's let's start again say it again no say denise is there anything denise is there anything you want to say to the people well to the people day one has ended so based on what you've presented to me as a juror if i had to go right now and deliberate I am still leaning to not guilty yet. But again, to, there's a day two. So let's see what happens on day two. What about mm, you? Okay. All right. For me, guilty. And, okay. She's going to be guilty of lying. Definitely. There's no way she's out of line. Yeah, yeah. First degree murder. Um, I'm not there yet. Manslaughter. Maybe. Child endangerment or child abuse. Fuck yes. Okay. Guilty. And again, we don't have all the evidence. But assuming that the information that Casey is presenting today, 10 years later, still guilty in my opinion. Do they get to, to after the day is over, to get together to discuss it or they only Who, do the that? jury? Yeah. The jurors can discuss it. Okay. They can't be forced to discuss it, but they can choose to do that themselves. At the end? At the end, if they want to. But they're not obligated to. And sometimes lawyers can reach out to them to find out if they want to talk about some of the evidence and things of that nature. But yeah, so that's it. All right. So until next time, make sure that you continue to drink, listen, and converse. This is episode 70. We're going to do some refills. And then we're going to come back and begin episode two. Day two. Don't judge us if we have the same clothes. And love.